once drove seven hours from Sarasota, Florida to Atlanta, Georgia to watch Gary V speak live at an event with Tony Robbins. And it was awesome. The entire way I listened to Gary's videos, the full entire drive. And at the time, clearly I was a massive Gary V fan. But some of his messages have put me off and made me unfollow and unsubscribe because he preaches that content is king and it's not. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about why Gary Vee's message of content is king is giving people burnout, anxiety, and FOMO. So stay to the end and see if Jay and I can change your opinion about content is king. So why the heck is Gary Vee teaching that content is king when it's on. Well, I can make a lot of content about that very, <laughs> but you're not gonna. No, actually, I, I, that's my new plan is I'm just going to create a whole series of this. Massive. Just a massive content factory <laughs> on why oh, is this. Okay. Yeah. I didn't get a rash and feel anxious immediately at all. No. If you had to guess the reason that 99% of teachers teach anything, what would it be? Uh, to help people. So that sounds good at face value but they could help people by teaching any number of things. So how are they choosing what to teach? If you teach your child something, you just randomly teach them everything, every single thing, I'll just teach my child. Or do you go through an experience with your child, feel a little like friction or something's not right here and I need to teach something okay. now? Okay, so that makes sense. Yeah, if I've taught somebody something, it's because there's ha something happening about it now. Like we coach entrepreneurs still, even though that's not really our main thing, because usually entrepreneurs ask for help in some way. So that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. And so isn't pretty much everything you or anyone else teaches usually a personal thing? It's like a personal failing or gap or something they had to learn or saw a need for. And so then they go hard on teaching that. Yeah. Yes. So it's, it's personal. Yes. Okay. So if Marissa Peer is teaching self-love, 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 what can we be fairly certain happened in her past or she dealt with in some way herself or a family member or her first client or something? She had a personal experience with what? Self-love. She probably didn't love herself and that's why she goes hard on it now. Right. And if you watch Marissa Peer's stuff, she'll probably even be open about that. Yes. But even if she wasn't, what could you assume just from what she's teaching? That she had an issue with self-love. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And if Gary V is teaching content is king, what can you reasonably assume? Uh, that he had issues with content and getting seen and getting attention. Right. Maybe he had trouble with that or maybe he plateaued and discovering that opened the doors for him and helped him grow. And now he swears by content, content, content. Maybe he had clients or family members that needed this and he couldn't serve them and couldn't help them. And until he finally realized I need to teach them content, it could be anything. Right. But if, if we ever ask the question, why is so-and-so so big on message X, Y, or Z? What can you reasonably assume? That they had an issue with that X, Y, or Z. Right. And that's why they're teaching it now. Right. And so are they teaching it because they fully understand everything there is to teach and they can see that this is step one and they're very knowledgeable at this? Or did they just have some personal experience with this, realize it helped or was worth teaching and then went hard on it? Yeah, that one. Right. <laughs> okay. It's very rare where you find a teacher who isn't teaching from this place. Right. Even me, if I'm teaching about seeing things clearly or being honest or admitting reality what can you probably assume in my i wasn't doing in my past or i had an experience with in my past those things that you're teaching either me or I, I had partners who couldn't do it or students or clients and i got frustrated and i had to make a curriculum around it and i yeah now i have to teach it for whatever reason or or i did this when i was a kid and now i'm scarred and i want to make sure no one you see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's what we're doing yeah. with the podcast. Yeah, but so I'm a teacher. And so if you go look at my materials, you can learn a lot uh, about me. True. Right? And you can make some assumptions. Like, I don't encourage assumptions, but if you had to make an assumption or a guess or an estimation of why someone's teaching something, you're on fairly safe ground. Right. Yeah. All right. Fair play. And this applies to you too. Why do you teach people about skincare? Or why do you teach people about weight loss? Or why do you teach people about finances? Like, did you have personal experiences with <laughs> any of these areas? Yes. And have you decided they're very important? Yes. Right. And so why are you so anti-content now? When even a few months ago, weren't you putting out 14, 19, 19. videos a week? <laughs> yes. 
19 videos a week. So um, because I know the burnout it causes, I know the anxiety, the FOMO, I know it's not worse what you go through, at least in the beginning as a solopreneur. Yeah. So, Startups and solopreneurs. Right. Is the main issue with this content is. Changing. Right. And even for, like personal brands, people who are trying to grow a personal brand, like same thing. Yeah. So does that answer your first question? Why does Gary V go so hard on content is king? Uh, yes, but that's that's a great answer. Just like it you, makes sense. Just like you, he probably saw that people need this, and he, he had burnout and anxiety, and his, his growth was plateauing, and <laughs> nothing was happening until he discovered that content everywhere wins, and now he needs to teach this to everyone. Like he went through a same similar journey, but it's super annoying. So, like, I get what you're saying. Like he had a problem, but also like. He had things that other people don't in the beginning. And so it's just annoying to me to hear him go on and on about like I get hives just hearing him list the platforms and like posting three or four or five times a day on each one and different content on each. Like what? Yeah, I know you don't like. Are you starting to see the other side? Are you starting to see he went through a similar thing to you? And you have decided what is important to teach. Yes. And even if you're missing some some steps or ingredients, you don't know if you're teaching all the right things perfectly or whatever. You might be over-focusing on one step. And so he has went through a journey too of yeah. personal experiences and decided what is important to teach. And even if he's missing some things, some nuances, he's still going to go hard on it the same way you go hard on your thing, right? Right. All right. Fair play. It makes sense. That's why he's, why he's doing it. Like for me, for many years, I taught that mindset is everything. Right. Change your mind, change everything. Yes. And that was wrong. Like it was it was an over focus. It was an incorrect teaching, like just like Gary. Like why am I putting so much emphasis on mindset? Now the people who need to change make physical changes in their nervous system or have somatic experiences or therapies or they need to deregulate, I mean uh, re-regulate their their system or whatever, right? They need to get mobile, they need to have some movement, they need to have some exercises. Yes. These people are gonna go around with problems buried in their nervous system and they're gonna be focused on changing their mind over and over and making no <laughs> progress. And then someone's going to make a video about me. This dude doesn't know what he's talking about. And I don't know why he talks about mindset all the time and screw him because the body's what matters. And so right. any teacher who over-focuses on one step is going to run into this problem. Definitely. And, yes. and most teachers do this at least once in their teaching career. Yes. So, yes. so let's be a little gentle because I've done the same thing. I didn't teach about body care or, or emotional mastery for a long time. It was always mindset, mindset, mindset. But life is is bigger than that. It's yes. not just mindset. It's mindset and emotions or energy. It's mindset and emotions or energy and physical action. Like These things all matter. Right. And some people have more issues with one than the other. And they could spend forever focusing on one and ignoring the others. And why did they do it? Because I hard focused on that in my teaching. Right. It's my bad. Well, that's a, that's a great admission. And, and I love your honesty as always. It's good. So I get that, that he overemphasized for a reason because he's experienced this, these issues. Okay. But he's still teaching it. He's still teaching content all day long on all the platforms. And how I want to know how the hell can people do this and not get burned out? So, okay. Is content bad? No. Okay. Is content necessary? Some, yes. Right. Yeah. So similar to walking or talking or eating or hugs, they're necessary in a certain amount, but you can overdo any of them and then there will be problems. Right. Okay. So does that not apply to content? Yeah. It's necessary in some amount, yes. but overdoing it can lead to burnout. Yes. Right. Now, will a solopreneur burn out from the same amount of content publishing as a 20-man corporation. No, no way. Okay, so if Gary is a 20-man corporation and he's preaching content, 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 right. is it possible that that wouldn't burn him or any other 20-man corporation out? No, But it would burn so. out a solopreneur? Yes. Right. Yeah, because so, when, when you're alone, everything is on you. Sure, but if you're watching a video of a 20-man corporation talking about their <laughs> strategy for the year, Right. And you're a solopreneur. What do you think is going to happen if you try to copy them? Fair play. But but he doesn't. He still demands that. The, then why is he teaching it? Because it works for 20 man corporations, yeah, which but, is what he is. But he doesn't tell them that. He doesn't say, hey, you're a solopreneur. You should only focus on one platform and, and just 
master that platform and then move on to the next one and master that until you get them all. Because that would be ideal, really. No? Yeah, that's what I teach. But yeah. I'm just trying to answer your question. He teaches what he knows from personal experience. Right. And he talks about it as if it works because it worked for his 20-man corporation. Yes. So he assumes it's going to work for everybody else. Better teacher might notice that entrepreneurs have different stages and a solopreneur can only handle as much as they can and a 20-man corporation can handle what they can. And he would speak to each one and, and explain the differences and right make sure he's targeting his message to the correct people and so on. But not everyone's the world's best teacher. I don't That's think Jerry's the world's best teacher. No, he's not. Right. So this he's is what not. you get. You get this is this is the majority of influencers that you watch. <laughs> their top skill is not teaching. In fact, teaching is usually not even their top five skills or top ten skills. They're actually mostly just bad teachers. Right. And I'm not saying I'm the best. I know there are better teachers out there in the world than me, but I can put us all on a scale. I can rank us. And I'm a better teacher than most of the gurus you watch. They are not good teachers. They're entertaining, they're charming, they're great at marketing, they're great storytellers, they have lived a lot of life, they're attractive, they're usually attractive, they have a lot to offer, they have a lot of value to share. Mm -hmm. They do. Yeah, agree. But where and there did I list teaching no. that they have to offer? So you can't really expect him to be a good teacher, can you? You can expect him to be good at all those other things. But I guess to me, like I'm a, I was a teacher by trade, a literal teacher in a classroom many, many years ago. And you've been teaching also your entire life. It's natural for you. So I guess to me, it's just it's so easy and it comes natural to me. I feel like if people are if people are getting on the camera and they're trying to teach someone something like perhaps you should know how to do it. OK, but who teaches the teachers? Us. No, but. Who teaches teaching? Like, how are they going to get better at it? You get a lot of pitches as as an influencer for how to teach better? All right, not. Have they ever seen an ad for one? Has anyone anywhere ever offered to teach them how to teach? But they have coaches, no? So I'm assuming. But are those coaches teaching coaches? <laughs> Probably not, no. So right. how are they going to get better? Right. They're learning how to speak better and how to grow their business and how to make better content, but they're not, they're not really learning how to teach. I mean, like I took classes in school, but for me, it's also a very natural thing my whole life also. So are you a great teacher? I'm not as good as you. It's not a comparison. I'm just saying like, like, what do you rank it on? It's just right. that feeling. Like, so like how many of your students got the lesson and succeeded and how many of his students got the lesson? And okay, succeeded? fair play. But I, to me, and I may be wrong, the way that we, I can tell if you're a good teacher is if you can teach this complicated topic, a child, which I have. So I'm not saying it makes me better. Like, I don't know. But if, Gary has kids, right? Yes. So has he taught them to be successful? Oh, I, I have no idea. They're little still, I think. Do they all make content? No, I don't think so. Are they like three-year-olds, like fracking <laughs> at the content? I don't think so, no. Yeah. My point is, if we look at Gary for who he is, or look at any of the influencers for who they are, great teachers is not going to be high up on the list. Even if they try to do their best at it, and they're passionate about it, and they love it. To me, it's like watching like teenagers play a sport. If they just love it, great. Like They're out there loving it. And you're, you watch them, and they're just flailing around. And it's like, <laughs> I don't even think you guys know the rules of this game. But they're passionate. And maybe one day they'll be a great athlete or sports player or something, right? Right. Fair enough. But in the meantime, I don't expect them to magically turn out top quality basketball, right? Yeah. yeah. And so to me, that's what most of the influencers are. Most of the gurus, they're in sort of a teaching profession. Yes. But they have zero teaching background, knowledge, practice, skills, whatever. And they mostly succeed just by having huge audiences and numbers. So you're bound to teach someone effectively. Like, But right. I don't think any of them could enter a teaching competition and beat other pro teachers. <laughs> yeah. No, so they're right. not they're not good at it. Right. Well, like, so my family is full of, of natural teachers. My mother's very good at teaching. She's taught languages to other people. She's taught other topics and subjects. Like my entire family and my stepfather struggles with with teaching and my mom is constantly saying mean things to him about this but he he's never tried to teach other people so like I'm, I'm i'm bringing it up because what you said just now reminded me of, of this situation too and how if you're not taught to teach if it's not a natural thing for you 
I guess you would never kind of question it because my stepdad, he never actually said, how can I teach better? Like he's never asked. So he's never sought out how to teach. So you're right. All these gurus probably haven't either. They assume because they know the information, they can tell other people and this is teaching. Yeah. And so a good teacher is going to use other methods just than telling you the information. Absolutely. And even that, all you just said might be not up to par. Like everyone feels like they're a good teacher or feels their family is full of good teachers. I could go, I'm sure I could go talk to someone. They would say the exact same sentences coming out of their mouth. I feel Possibly, like, yeah. would, would you both be like exact same level of teachers? One of you would have better teachers in the family, right? Sure. And so good teaching isn't really measured. People don't track it. No, and there's not. no. That's why teachers are paid so crap. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. But like if there were competitions and teachers had to teach a certain topic to certain students and the students were put into levels and this was a fast learner and this was a medium learner and this was a like slow learner or whatever, then we would see who the real good teachers are. They would all have to teach gravity or they'd all have to teach finance or they'd all have to teach content yeah. or whatever. And we would see by results, by how many students they all succeeded with. And yeah. we don't have that right now. No, no. I can imagine it and I've thought about this and I can tell and I, I have very strong predictions about who would win. Right. And I know if I'm a better teacher than those those other people or if they're worse than me or, or, if, or if I'm worse than some other people. And that's how I know that I'm a above average teacher, but I'm not the best and there are other teachers out there and they would beat me and I'm at a certain level in this teaching competition. Right. But when we talk about Gary or most of these influencers, they're usually an even lower level in this teaching competition, this imaginary teaching competition. If you gave them a problem student or a problem child, they might spend forever and, and not pull it off. Fair play. And so I guess that's probably why it bugs me too. So because I worked with special needs children, I worked with uh, children who don't speak the language and I taught them uh, English in the second language. I've also taught Spanish. And so I've dealt with troublesome people as far as in all areas of that in learning, right? And I've been I've managed to to do really well for myself and, and have successful students. But the reason the reason that that is is because I I've worked at it and I really wanted to get better. And I took as like when I was when I was in the school system, I had the opportunity to learn more to be a better teacher. And I took those opportunities. Whereas in this field, we don't. And I think that's kind of why I'm I get annoyed by some of these gurus who I'm, I hear their stuff and it's like, this, what are you doing? It's like throwing the, a ball against a wall and saying, I'm playing a sport. Like what? So yeah, this makes sense. I never, ever thought about like, not that I'm better than anyone or anything. You know, a lot of people in, the, in another video we did assumed that because I had a negative opinion that that I thought I was better than than the person we were talking about. But that's not true. I don't think that I'm better than Gary at business. I think he's really good. I think he's amazing. I think he's incredible. That's why you drove seven hours had, to see him. Exactly. I drove, that's why I wanted to hear what he had to say live. And I wanted to feel the energy. Right. But you didn't drive seven hours thinking this man is going to teach the hell out of me. No. I so really wanted the experience. So you knew. You knew deep down. Yes. But but now I kind of understand a little more why it just burns me. It burns me. When I see this, when I see not great teaching happening, even though the words that are coming out are great, but... Well, teaching is, you know, did, did you use questions? Did you get the students' brain engaged? Did you get them learning? Did you have... Storytelling. Yeah. Did the storytelling last and, and etched itself in their brain and their heart? Do they summon those fables and those morals and those tales when they're in the heat of the moment? Did you give them enough repetition and enough practice and enough habituation? And it's like, no. None of these influencers did that right? because they're not teachers. They're more like magazine publications. Oh, that's good. Popular science <laughs> okay. is a great science magazine. Yes. But would you use it to learn no. science? No. No, no. Right. I use it as a like an extra, like a, as a side resource, but never like my full curriculum. Right. And PC Gamer is a great gaming magazine. But would you use it to learn <laughs> to program a game? No. Right. No. So this is the problem is that most of these influencers and gurus have never set out to actually teach. They've set out to publish content. They're right. content publishers. And for a magazine, what is a great strategy for a magazine? Publish once a year? No, publish once a week or once a month or however often they do it. Yeah, yeah. or publish daily like or a daily, daily newspaper. Yeah. 
Yeah. The newspaper will beat the magazine. There you go. Why? Because they publish daily. Yeah. Because content, content, content. Yeah. And so if a newspaper or a magazine or an influencer or a Gary Vee is in the content game, in the publishing game, and they're not teachers, if they're not in the teaching game, what is a great strategy for them? They're in the content game. Right. All right. Would you Perfect. encourage an artist to make one piece of art a year? No. No. No, I would encourage them to do it daily. Right. To practice their craft. All right. Fair play. But I wouldn't encourage them to post about it every day. <laughs> I'd rather them go practice their craft. Uh, yeah, because then post. they would become a publisher. They would become their job and life and, and brand and career would be as a publisher, Fair not play. as an artist. That makes so much sense. Thank you. That's really good. This is very helpful. So Gary is a publisher. You are correct. He publishes a ton of content across all of the platforms. He practices what he preaches. <laughs> he does. And I like that. And I love the sincerity. However, he is streaming live on Twitch his, his, during his business meetings. Like he's muting the microphone. And so he's not really providing any value. People are just staring at him. So why is he treating his business like content when I think this is just creating FOMO, fear of missing out? So why? So this goes back to what we just talked about, which is teachers versus publishers. Teachers are concerned with creating super high quality, valuable, instructional, life-changing content that transforms a student from night into day or like takes them to a new level and so on. Publishers are focused on creating resident entertainment, resonant content and frequent and feeding the people as much as they can eat. It's a very different attitude, industry, role. Right. 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 So if we agree that Gary is a publisher and not a teacher, even if he presents himself as a teacher, if we agree that really, truly he's a publisher, what is he focused on serving up? Resonant content. Yeah. And so you might not find the muted business meetings valuable in any way, but a fan of Gary Vee who dreams of being closer to him would see it as a valuable way in, as as a closer personal connection to Gary Vee of knowing behind the scenes. If I could show you behind Corin's crafting workshop, yeah. her house, her tools, her yeah. process. Yes. Even muted, you're going to watch it? Probably, yeah. Yeah, and you're going to learn a whole lot or are you yeah. just happy that you got to see behind the scenes? I like the behind the scenes. There yeah. you go. All Same right. thing. And so he publishes more resident content and his fans eat it up. Did any of them transform their lives by watching the business meeting? No. But did they get a small break after their job and feel closer to their favorite celebrity? Yes. Yeah. So. All right. But but do you think that it's creating the fear of missing out in, in the fans though? Because like if I am watching Corin or any of the like bigger accounts or whatever, and I'm seeing the behind the scenes, then I'm, I'm going to, because, okay, I will confess when Corin has a, had a smaller account, like I had FOMO. I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not making content. I'm not... I don't have, I wasn't making art. I was making art, but not the art I wanted to make. And so I kind of felt like this. And so this is why I asked the question. Yeah, because it's, it's, I know what it's like. Sure. And my question to you is, let's say you were a crafter back then watching her stuff. Wouldn't that FOMO be good? Like you're sitting around doing nothing with your crafting. If it's, if this gets you off your ass, if this like makes you aware that you're doing nothing, like that's better than being ignorant of doing nothing. At least now, you know, like, damn, I'm doing nothing. Maybe you can do something about it. Like, it's a step in the right direction. All right. FOMO is good for a lot of people. They should have FOMO. Oh, you missed that concert? Maybe it's time to get your life together, put some savings aside, have a budget for fun, and like, whatever. Maybe don't just settle for the crappy standard of living you've had your entire life. Maybe inch up a little bit. Maybe grow a little bit. Maybe afford the things you fear of missing out on. Like, maybe be able to invest in them. Maybe be able to create your own. Maybe create a petition to start a new one because you missed the first time or whatever. Like, I don't know motivate activate like be proactive like step up when i'm when i have fomo of something i'm missing out on you know what i do add it to my bucket list and get to work fair play fair play all right if you want to have a business meeting like gary or if you want to be in that room great now you have a desire now you have a drive now you have an ambition let's see you do it now would you have had that without the stream would you have seen the business meeting? Uh, you'd be ignorant you wouldn't even yeah. know oh i really want a business meeting with gary like now you know yeah. Now you know there's an experience on earth that you would like to have. Yeah. Other times I see an experience and I'm like, I don't care about that. It doesn't create FOMO because <laughs> I never wanted it in the first place. Right. I only get the FOMO of stuff that I kind of want. Fair enough. Okay. Okay. You yeah. show me a business meeting with Gary on mute on a Twitch stream. I got zero FOMO at all. Yeah. 
like me that we have business meetings all the time. Well, whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'll probably have bigger business meetings and better business meetings and whatever. I'm, 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 I'm psyched. I'm looking forward to the future. I don't, there's yeah. no FOMO at all. I don't yeah. care. But if you show me someone performing an amazing league game and like carrying 1v9 or something, I want that. I want to do that. Or if you show me like a, well, a you pro do team. Carry, you do carry whatever we play. Thank you. So. <laughs> but that's because I had a FOMO experience one day way back in 2015 or whatever that made but, me want to do that. And so yeah. I'm going to get good at this and I'm going to be able to carry. And now I am. You like League of Legends. But I want to play with Jay sometime. He's so good. He's like level 52. And I'm like level 11. But that's only on learning count. You're like level 12,000 on learning count. So anyway, I apologize for interrupting. But, but it's because you reached your thing, your goal. You fell FOMO for the thing that you wanted to carry the team. And now, without question, I mean, I'm good. But like... I, I, I teach this to women all the time. They're always like, this girl has my man or I want this guy or I want to hit mm -hmm. that guy or I wish I had this baller or whatever. And I'm like, why don't you just put it on your bucket list and start doing the work? What does it take to get that man? What does it take to get that person to match with them or someone like them? Are you ready? Are you there? Like, I'm not ready to carry the league game, so I guess I need practice and I need to do some Zen untilt exercise. I got to do a whole bunch of stuff before I can get to that level. Well, I got to change, I guess. So five, 10 years later of league practice, I finally do it. But only because I put it on my bucket list and started changing myself. We started making the changes. Yeah, I started making changes in myself. And like I said, when I talk to most women about this, they have the FOMO, they see the guy, they want the guy, but then they stop at making changes to themselves. I'm like, if you start now, you'll be done in five years. Like you'll have it. But you have to start. <laughs> like you have to hustle. You have to put your heart into it. And same for when I'm coaching guys on business. They want that dream business or that empire or whatever. And it's like, well, then are you going to start? Like, are you making changes? Are you building a team? Are you building a foundation? Are you building a brand? What are you doing next? What are you, what's your next plan? Did you offer more products? Did you pivot once or twice? Did you do what you had to do? Like, I don't care what you had to do, but did you do it? Did you start taking those steps? I had to lose a million league games to become that winner. Uh, I had to fail a bunch of businesses to get, succeed at business. I had to have a bunch of exes to get that, that person or whatever, right? Like, so yeah, to me, a lot of FOMO is good. Some's bad. There's like toxic FOMO where you're just like I, buying some video game because they put false scarcity and urge you to buy it. And then you got scammed and the game sucked and you wanted to return it or, or investing in a bunch of stamps that you're never going to use because some crafter told you to buy it. Like this is not great FOMO, but a lot of FOMO is just like, hey, if you're jealous of that or if you miss out on that or if you wish you had that, maybe it's because you want it. Well, I think too so go get that. It that you can, like everything, turn it into a positive or a negative. Mm -hmm. If you get FOMO for playing league and you want to carry a team of nine, but all you do is spend your time crying in your room that you're never going to get it, I'm never going to do it, oh my God, I suck on every chip yeah, I play. Now the FOMO has hurt you. Then, then this has turned negative. Yeah, and this is but so it could have. But when I think of FOMO, I always, I thought it was that side. I never really considered the other side of turning a positive, which is kind of funny if you talk about making things positive all the time. But I never thought of this as something that I could turn or switch. Or I do it all the time. Whenever I have a frustration or I feel like I'm missing something or lacking or I'm envious of something, I just see it as a positive. Great. Now I know what I want. I guess I never considered it as envy because I, I've learned this lesson too, that whatever I'm jealous or envious of someone else, it's something in me that I need to change. But and FOMO is envy. And so FOMO really is envy. And though, like, a lot of people feel that way about Gary himself, like, they want what he has. Sure, so get it. And the business he has, but they're not taking the steps. They're just living in the FOMO instead, and instead of doing things, and which he, is not making content. No, but he's trying to help. Actually, he is, he if is. people want to be like Gary, they really should make content. They want to be a publisher, too. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. If you're going to get into the publishing game, listen to this man's advice. He's good at it. And if all of his fans want to be like Gary and they want to be publishers too, they should be making tons of content. Okay, so I have another question that's not on our list. Okay, as coaches, we teach other people how to grow their business. Mm -hmm. So is this something we need to be putting into our into my discovery calls to when I ask a million questions? Like, do they want to be a publisher or do they want to be a teacher? Like, there has to be... Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, you could... Absolutely add that to your discovery calls and your depth on questions. To me, it's kind of basic. Like everyone is either going to be 
in entertainment or education or some kind of hybrid of both. Right. In, in a certain mix. Yeah, but if they want to be like some of these gurus who are just posting nonstop all the time, this is publishing, no? Yeah, but what I'm saying is I generally have no problem telling the difference. You can bring me anyone and I can tell if they want to be in entertainment and publishing or if they want to be in education and coaching and teaching. Right. It's not hard for me to tell. No. You, a lot of this whole episode comes from you confusing one with the other. And it doesn't help that a lot of them misrepresent themselves or like portray themselves as the teacher when they're really the publisher or they're portraying themselves as a great content creator when really they just like teaching. And I get that it can sometimes be confusing, but once you learn this and get a handle on this, it's pretty easy to spot which one, which camp somebody falls in or which they lean towards or what kind of blend they're looking for. And if you show me anyone, I won't need to ask very many questions before I can tell what they prefer to do. You had a client come to you recently and how enthusiastic were they about growing their actual business compared to making content? She, in her mind, it, it's all about content, so much so that she's willing to give a 50% of all of her profits so she doesn't have to do the things to grow the audience because all she cares about is the creation. Right. And does she have a life history of creating? Yes. Is she a creative person? Yes. Does she enjoy creating? Yes. So do I need to ask any discovery questions? No, I guess not. I mean, I, I already knew, like, fair play. Okay, fair, very fair play. Uh, if it's someone who who's new and may not, like, I guess it's a good question for those who don't jump out at me at once. Because in, in her case, as soon as she started talking about the business and what she wanted, immediately I was like, whoa, like, we, I got to rein this in because I think like within the first 10 minutes, I was telling her, you know, your business is 10% content and 90% out. So, yeah, that's that's a really good point. Okay. Well, thank you so much. You are an excellent teacher. Do you think that you're a better teacher than Gary? Absolutely. Me too. I'd have a competition any day. Me too. I would teach the student first and faster and better I and know. more permanent. What? I'm saying I know what I'm good at or my personal strengths and Gary knows his and I don't even think he would even question it. You know what I mean? Like, he's a smart guy. I don't think he would disagree with anything I've said here. I think he'd be like, yeah, you're a better teacher and you have a more of a passion for teaching. And I'm not really that passionate about teaching. I am passionate about publishing. Yeah. I, I think you just agree with everything I've said. Well, his thing is day trading attention. So right there, that tells you. I'm saying. Like, that's a publisher. That's what he wants. He wants attention. Yeah. And that's what the publishers all fight over. All the media conglomerates fight over. Is the attention. Yeah. Viewer attention and viewer retention and view time and watch time and which channel gets more of the attention. Okay. They don't care about any of these other things. This is the only thing they care about. And it's what they focus on. And it's their whole strategy. And Gary is one of them. I would rather, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to manifest this, but I would rather have one person watch the video or listen to the podcast and really get the lesson and really apply it and learn it deeply than a thousand people watching it and not getting anything. Sure. You've just described a parent. The parent of one child is fully in the education camp. Yeah. They're not looking to entertain or get the child's attention. In fact, most of the time they want the child to give them a break from the attention and go watch TV. Yeah. They just want to teach. Like yeah. they want to have bonding moments with the kid yes. and see them grow. That's my and favorite part. Whatever. The point is, unless you're, I don't know, Kids Magazine or Fisher Price or something, <laughs> you're not going to be entertainment for that demographic. Right. You don't care about getting all of the attention of all of the kids everywhere. You care about teaching one single child. And that's a noble job. I respect all parents who do this and elevate people. Are they all natural teachers? I don't know, but they make it happen. And they don't have giant businesses. They don't market and they don't reach a ton of people and they're not publishing and they don't have content, content, content. They are just pure teachers. And then publishers are just pure publishers or pure entertainers. And they're not looking to teach at all for the most part. Some of them might have a message or they might be spiritual publishers or something, whatever. But for the most part, heavy on the entertainment side. And most businesses fall somewhere in between. Yes. Like I'm an artist and I prefer to create content and create my my work or whatever. But I know I have to publish some content to get some attention and sell some stuff. So I'm half and half. And some people are right in the middle and I'll do this, but I'll partner with someone who does the other thing. That's what you did. Yeah. But I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses. I know what I'm good at. I know what Gary's good at. And I'm happy to admit all those things. And I think he would be too. Right. So. Thanks. I appreciate your honesty. So Gary teaches... Jab, 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 right. And here's a jab for you. Eyes wide open, volume one. It's the world's first 
self-help coffee table book. And we are going to jab you by giving it away for free. Well, a PDF copy of it. And go to eyeswideopenfree.com or click the link in the description. And I should also add that it's written by Jay, not a ghostwriter. All the art is done by Jay, not a ghost artist. And it's all his original work. And I did all the original editing. (laughs) So I haven't seen a lot of Gary's current work. But the reason is because his content used to make me extremely anxious. He would scream at the camera. He would curse. He would just very aggro. And I just couldn't deal with it. On top of that, he's like the king of the hustle culture. Hustle, 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 hustle. And this does not feel nice to me anymore. And since I was trying to work on my mental health, I unfollowed and unsubscribed. So how is it possible that Gary's creating more anxiety in people with this content? I mean, is this a fair question? It talks a lot about (laughs) old Gary, and I'm pretty sure he's grown a lot since then. And his brand is mellowed out, and he's all about awareness and gratitude and personal care and stuff now. (laughs) Like, Well, yeah, even when I was a fan, when when I drove to see him, he talked about gratitude and self-awareness and being kind. I, I know that. And I love that about him. But that whole hustle, hustle, content, 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 it's just so anxiety right. inducing. I'm, I'm saying it was the older Gary, right? Yeah. So we can address it, but... Okay. But I'm assuming that he's still at it if he's... And I'm saying maybe not. Okay. So we both have a... We both haven't checked in on his latest stuff. Okay. He might have grown or changed. But anyways, I'll talk about the hustle culture stuff in general. Okay. So anybody who happens to be teaching that stuff now or before, right? Just the concept of hustle culture. I can address it. Yes. So, So just like the first question, why would someone be so passionate about hustle culture? Why would they go so hard on it? Because they had a... Not because they had an experience with it in some way. Right. And likely one where they weren't hustling enough or their friends weren't hustling enough or their clients weren't hustling enough. And when they finally hustled, then something happened. It worked for them. Yeah, good things happen and it worked. And so now it became something I have to teach. This thing works. I got to share it with everybody. Even though it causes massive anxiety in humans. But does it though? Like it didn't for him. Oh, it didn't for them. It worked. It worked for them. It was the key. It was like heaven. If I'd known this from the beginning, I would have been hustling way earlier, way before. You see what I'm saying? For them, for their personal experience, it worked. Content is king. Work for the publisher. Right. Right? Yes. I should publish daily if I can. Uh, Yeah. And it worked. And so then I have to teach it to everybody else. And they don't usually stop to think, should I teach it to every single person or do other people need a different lesson? Should I target this only to the fellow publishers? Right? Like, same with hustle culture. Or the- should I target this towards lazy people who haven't been hustling? Or should I just target it to everyone? Targeting it to someone who's already overwhelmed, burnt out, busy, and already doing more than they can just injures them and yes. hurts them and, and makes it worse. Yes. Targeting it towards lazy, unmotivated people who have tons of potential and could really crush life if they did hustle a little bit is great. And it will work for them. It will turn their life around. It's just most people, when they find something that works personally, they just want to teach it to everyone. Everyone. Their target is everyone. I want to spread this message everywhere and I never want to qualify it or warn people that only some people will benefit from this and the other people won't. And right, It's not common to get these kind of warnings and this kind of specific targeting. People just have something that works for them and then they go out and say, this worked for me, this worked for me, this worked for me. You should try this. You should try this. You should try this. And it's like, that's okay. But ultimately, it's just going to lead to a bunch of burned out people or already overwhelmed people who shouldn't be learning from this trying to copy fair play yeah unless you give clear warnings about who this is for who this is for is a a very important thing when you're trying to teach people or disseminate information if you give the wrong information to the wrong people or the right information to the wrong people if it's for group a but you give it to group b it's it's gonna go poorly if i give children handgun it's probably gonna go poorly if i give that if i give it to trained hunters they can probably make a living out there in the woods just with those tools alone and they'll thrive and they'll build a great thing. Yeah, true. But this goes back to being a good teacher. Yeah. You know, because if you're if you're teaching something, then you know who it's for. Yeah. 
I would teach hustle culture to to people who have never hustled. Yeah. They've yes. never tried it. They've never given it a shot. They never even considered it. They're lazy about everything and apathetic about everything. And they, they have no purpose in life and they haven't tried anything. I'd, I'd get them in the gym. I'd get them waking up early. I'd teach them hustle culture. And for that group, it would be life-changing. They would absolutely blossom from this. They would thrive. They would become an amazing person. They might go overdo it later and then I have to pull them back. That's a whole separate thing. But in the moment, it would be a great lesson for them. I would be proud to teach that to that group. So who is hustle culture for? It would be for them. Right. I'd even be happy to teach it to a group of plateaued entrepreneurs. Like maybe they want to do stuff. They want to get new staff. They want to hire new people. They want to expand their brand. They want to make new products. And it's like, but I don't have time, but I don't have time. It's like, if you just hustle a little more, could you make the time? Could you hire that first person, which would free up your time? Like fair play. Okay. It's, it's I, maybe, I know, it makes sense. Maybe a little hustle culture might be good for some of those uh, plateaued, stagnant entrepreneurs as well. I'm not, I'm not sure. Maybe they're already overworked. So it's a little dicey. Depending on what they need. Right. But I'm definitely not going to be teaching that to burnt out solopreneurs who are already waking up morning to night hustling, doing their work at home and their homework and their corporate job and then coming home and making the business and blah, blah, blah. Holy crap. Sending them that message? Terrible. So I don't care how good your teaching is or your lesson is or your message is. Some people are great targets for it and they're ready for it and you should serve it up to them. And some people would literally be harmed by serving up that message to them. So, and we can't really control that on YouTube super well. No. So all we can do is qualify it before we give the message. It's just so we're clear. This is for so-and-so people. And even I'm weak at this. I don't always do this, but I am pretty good because when I teach one-on-one, I read my audience and I know what they're ready for and I know what message will help them and I give it to them. Unless they have some kind of weird trauma that I've missed or haven't or they're hiding right or whatever yeah if they're yeah. hiding it then i can't I know. but if they show me who they are then i won't i won't do that well this makes a lot of sense for me too why i felt so much anxiety at the time of my life when i was following him and driving to atlanta to see him and stuff i was moving my family across country i was homeschooling two children i had three kids in the house living with us and i i was also working part-time on another business and doing a side job too. So all at that, all that stuff. And I was, I hadn't cured my anxiety at the time. So I was still having panic attacks daily. So on top of that, that hustle culture feeling of that, oh my God, what is he talking about? All this stuff. That's the stuff that brought anxiety. When he talked about the gratitude and the self-awareness and, and the kindness, that's what drew me to him. But that other stuff just was not. Sure. But what if he introduced the hustle culture teachings and message was something like disclaimer. If you're a stay at home mom with a job and kids and your hands full, my upcoming hustle culture message is not for you. Okay. You got to look at my gratitude content and my awareness content, but for the rest of you guys, you know, you could be doing more. This message is for you, right? If he leads with that disclaimer now, no matter who comes to watch it, they'll know it doesn't apply to me and I don't need to copy this part. I don't need to learn this teaching of his. I'm already over hustling. But she doesn't do that. And most teachers don't. And not even I do. Well, in our bio, we say you will be triggered on purpose. So sure. But you're right. We don't like break it down like that. And not on every individual message. So it's on the student to read the channel and be like, oh, okay, he's going to talk about hustle culture. I I should be careful here or know my own sensitivities. You didn't do that. You just watched it. And then we're mad that the message didn't resonate with you and- yeah. Would burn you out. Yeah. And then I unfollowed and unsubscribed. Sure. And this is what happened. And Gary's okay with that because he's yeah. like, well, whatever. You don't like me, just unsubscribe. You sure. Care. Sure. Of course not. But he also realized that this message was not great for the majority of his audience as he grew or it was preventing him from reaching more people or something. And so he toned it down and he doesn't go as hard on this anymore. That's good. That's good. I'm glad. I mean, yeah. There's still always a place to teach hustle culture to a large chunk of society who are apathetic and unmotivated and not hustling at all. But that's why Andrew Tate does. Yeah. And there's a lot of disenfranchised men who are just wasting their life away and they could be making something of themselves. And he appeals to them and targets to them and speaks to them and that's his message. But if I'm already doing all the things he says or pulling out all the stops or if I, I'm already hustling and he tells me to hustle more, I might just get burnt out. Fair play. If I take him at face value and if there's no disclaimer or no warning about the message or no targeting. So this whole question that you asked boils down to 
giving certain lessons to certain targeted groups and doing whatever we can to avoid them reaching the non-receptive groups. Right, right. But on YouTube or Instagram, you can't really do that. Anyone can come look, even an overworked, burnt out group. Yeah, even people who hate us and don't like us and are exes, both of us. Yeah. <laughs> they come and look at our stuff. Or burnt so. out, burnt out stay-at-home moms yeah. can go watch his hustle culture stuff. No so, one's going to stop them. I want to make sure I understand clear, clearly, right? Mm-hmm. So my takeaway from this is that really it's about the student in this case, not necessarily the teacher for this part. Like, because if the student, I mean, yes, you, you should be clear about you, who you serve in your bio as much as you can or even before the videos or whatever. But really it's up to the student because if I know I'm anxious, I have panic attacks every day, and I watch a particular video on hustle culture and he's yelling at the camera and he's cursing and I feel anxious, then it's, it should be on me to turn the friggin' video off instead of playing another one and playing another one and playing another one to back off and know that I can't really have, I'm already anxious, but like I need more calm and less anxious people in my life. Yeah. I mean, it's up to everyone to do their, right. so teaching is transmitting a message or some learning or some instruction to a student. Right. For that to happen, the teacher has to be teaching well with clarity and resonance, and the student has to be receptive and open and ready and uh, vulnerable enough to learn. And these two have to be a match. Like, the message has to be a match to that student. If it's an unmatching message, like a hustle culture message to an overworked, burnt-out stay-at-home mom, then it's not a match. And so there will be problems. And But it's up to both the student and the teacher to self-correct and make sure there's no problems. The teacher could realize, man, I should give a disclaimer about this one because this really isn't for everyone. Some people are already hustling. I should, I should try and exclude them from my message and let them know it doesn't apply to them. But the student should be like, well, he didn't give any disclaimer, but I'm pretty sure this message isn't for me. It does not feel right or resonate. And I'm, I'm just going to look at his gratitude and his self-awareness and kindness stuff. Either one could fix this problem, or they could both be stubborn. I'm not going to give a disclaimer or guide my message away from anyone. I'm not going to be gentle or open or detect a mismatch or anything. I'm just going to force myself to binge more of these videos. Like, all right, then both of you are insane. Like, both of you are trying to create harm. Like, none of you are trying to fix the situation. And then if only one of you is trying to fix the situation, props to you, but it might not be enough. Okay. Like, if I saw one person trying to fix this and the other person not, I would be like, that's who I want on my team. I love the I love the proactivity. I love how they're trying to get the message to the right person and make the teaching work or whatever. And I don't want to be anywhere near this person who's trying to be offended for no reason. Like right. They could be helping. So right. for a message to transmit between teacher and student, it takes cooperation on both parts. And each person can be playing their role super well or super terrible or somewhere in between. And if a message isn't getting through, it's going to be more on one than the other and both can both have agency to improve it. And if it's not a fit, they're going to separate. Right. Well, I think too, on top of that, one more thing he could tweak is to niche down a little bit further. Like entrepreneurs, you know. Hustlepreneurs. Yeah. Like. He could target hustlepreneurs. You're so good at this. And if he targets hustlepreneurs, he won't get any of the stay-at-home moms, like overworked homeschoolers or whatever. Yeah, it's true. He would just get the hustlers. All right. Fair play. That's good. That's very helpful. This is why we teach to niche down as far as we can. And he did in the start. It was wine people. Yeah. That's a very specific niche, wine people. But Gary wants to grow. He doesn't want to stay stuck at wine people. He wants to reach other people. So it's a bit of a tough sell. Hey, you should niche down. Right. No, that goes against my life philosophy and my whole dream and everything I'm trying to achieve. Get out of my circles. Like, if you preach niche down when he's trying to expand his niche, right. I don't see this going well. Yeah, you're right. And that's good. I get it. Thank you so much. Okay. So this this last question was kind of stupid. And just bear with me, okay? So I'm a creative person. You're a creative person. We both write. We both are artistic. We both make our thing. All everything that we put out into the world, we have created together as a team or individuals right so gary has written a bunch of books right but he's had a ghostwriter write the books for him and this annoys me so much and i don't really get why but it's okay why does it annoy me so much that he uses a ghostwriter to write his books he's really great on video 
and I get he wants to be everywhere, but but I want to know why it bothers me so much that he uses a ghost rider. It just annoys me. Okay. Just so I'm clear, do you want to know why it annoys you, why she does it, or why I'm fine with it? Yeah. <laughs> you verbalized my question better than I was able to do. As a good teacher should. Yeah, so thank you very, very much. Okay, well, as for why she does it, I've found that personal examples work best with you. So have you ever used chat GPT to facilitate your writing in any way, shape, or form? Yes, I've to make it shorter, to make it more concise, yes. Have you ever used it to get a jump start on something? To start off the ideas? Yes. To get a template? Yeah. Okay. Would you say you used it once? Five times? Ten times? Probably like ten times. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe more? Eleven? Maybe eleven or twelve. Not that yeah. many times. Sure. Yeah, Whatever. Yes. Isn't ChatGPT the same as a ghostwriter? Aren't you just saying to someone else, write me some shit about such and such? Okay. With very little effort on your part. Use a throwaway sentence and then it's delegated and then it comes back to you served up. And then you take it and massage it or do whatever you want with it. But you, it's covered. It's paid for. It's done. Fair play. Yes. Okay. I've used it. Okay. So this answers why I'm fine with Gary okay. having a ghostwriter. Right. Okay. Because Cause... now with AI, everyone has a ghostwriter. Yeah. Okay. And before AI, we would hire ghostwriters, but it was just the same as... Hiring ChatGPT. All right. Everyone does it. Fair enough. And why do they do it? Why do people use ChatGPT? Why did you use ChatGPT 10, 11, 12 times? <laughs> to shorten what I was trying to say. To improve what I was trying to say somehow. So, sure. You had something to say that you wanted to put out into the world. And there were tools or resources or people nearby who could do it faster or better. All right. Or something yes. than you. Fair play. And yes. so you were happy to invest in them. You were happy to give them instructions. You were happy to interact with them. You were happy to delegate to them, pay them if you had to, whatever you had to do. You would jump through whatever hoops that go chat GPT or the ghostwriter had to get your product back. Yes. Because you had something to say. So this is why I'm, I understand why Gary did this. <laughs> okay. All right. So far, so good. And so then why does it annoy you? So if I took a hyperlogical guy and a hyperromantic woman and I told them both to create some art and the woman who loves romance and art and creativity and authenticity and personal input and stuff right has a computer sitting in her art studio and the guy who loves results and efficiency and getting shit done and precision and blowing people's socks off or whatever also has a computer in his art studio and they both go into their art studio and start creating their art does the woman ever once consider using the computer to automate or speed up her art process no okay but does the guy ever use the computer yeah to automate or speed up his art process yes so he's happy to delegate and prom it out to a less original person to get to get a jump start to do it faster to do it better to do it more impressively whatever but the the feminine person and i should have used feminine and masculine leaning person for this yeah. whole example anyways take some kind of pride in every stroke being made by their own physical body. And if a single stroke was made by someone else or a machine, she might not be like, I, I need to make this original. Like, it's not homemade. Yeah. Right. So when all is said and done, one of them is going to be more impressive to society than the other. Sometimes yeah. it's the personal handcrafted yeah. creation that's more impressive. Yes. Other times it's some majestic computerized factory driven thing that no one could ever believe. It's like, this is the size of a city that I've never seen art like this before. What is happening? Yeah. So regardless, what are the chances each of these people are going to be criticizing the other person's art? They're both. Right. So what does this mean? So is GPT computer art scaled up and factory made better or worse than hand painted single individual art? Or are they both nitpicking each other's and really the world has room for both and they're nitpicking each other and the world has room for both yeah the third way right yeah. you see it all the time eminem yes. takes pride that he writes every single one of his rhymes right. even though he, he had d12 he had a huge team yes he bounces ideas off people he takes pride that he writes every line and he makes fun of a lot of modern day rappers that have ghost writers yes he does but both eminem and the modern day rappers sell quite well some modern day rappers might outsell him in some in some records or some right. songs or whatever. And that means 
society is appreciating both kinds of art. They are appreciating the ghost written art and they are appreciating the the handmade. The original, the original handmade art. Right. And a lot of the times when people get stuff back from their ghostwriter or chat GPT, what's the first thing they do with it? Uh, edit it. Yeah. And not just <laughs> edit it. They go through and personalize it and butcher it. And I would never use that word. I'm putting my words in here and I'm going to add my quote and I'm going to add a different thing and I'm going to yada, yada, yada. It's, so it's not like it's yeah. written and then, oh, that's what goes out to the world. Mm. Someone else's art. I just put my stamp on it. It almost never happens that way. They, yeah. Yeah. Right. And so what are the chances Gary didn't put his personal mark on these works and make sure they reflected him and what they, what he wanted to say originally? Well, I know that he worked with the ghostwriter and dictated what he wanted to say. So fair enough. If this had been pre-AI, may not have resonated as, as much with me. But I would have made the same point. No, I know you would have. I know. Just wouldn't have the personal example. No, but because I've used it, to shorten my paragraphs and to tighten mm. up my my copy and then edited it anyway because I always edit after anyway even if you edit I edit after too so yeah that makes total sense so I guess there's room for all of us AI is great I, I mean yeah AI is great and, and if you want to use a ghostwriter to write your stuff great I might not buy it but great so there you go Thank you. So I'm not annoyed anymore. Good. So that's, gross. that's good. Yeah. I still love Gary a lot. I don't like content is king. I don't like that he's, I know why he's doing it. I, I understand. So I didn't explain why content isn't king. That was the whole point. You were supposed to. In the intro, you're like, stick around to find out why content isn't king. So, so before we wrap up, let's tackle that. Okay. So we kind of touched on it briefly because it's not that content is king or isn't king. It's that content is king for publishers or for 20-man corporations or for people with big teams. And content is not king for overworked, burnt-out solopreneurs who can barely make one content a week, and that's asking a lot. Yes. Like, for those people, what is more helpful? Sitting in their basement or their closet or their room and just grinding out content or making one or two or five or ten key pieces of content, stopping there, and then getting out into the world and making friends, telling them what what they do, or getting on social and and commenting on other people and interacting with other people and spreading love, going door to door, digital door to door, and getting to know about and be aware of their 10, five or 10 pieces of great content, right? Yeah. Yes. Because yes. what they're missing is eyeballs and traffic and attention and no amount of thousands of 10,000 pieces of content is going to magically pull them out of their closet and give them the world's best attention. 1% of people luck out and like the algorithm might pick them up or COVID might happen and they jumped on the ASMR trend right when they needed to and they will get eyeballs in traffic by making content. This is not a healthy approach. This is not something to teach or rely on. Those people were lucky. They were making content when a traffic opportunity came along. But do traffic opportunities just come along? Should we be teaching that to people? And just because it worked for them they got to make content and have magical traffic everyone else will get that no. no we should be teaching people how to generate their own traffic yes and not rely on the algorithms or luck or fluke and just grinding out content is never a promise there are countless people who have made hundreds or thousands of pieces of content in the dark buried nobody knows nobody will find them yeah i i, I have done <laughs> and they will learn the hard way after years of misery of like their whole life savings gone, they're all their time gone, years gone, relationships left them, but they have a thousand pieces of content that no one gives a fuck about. We know some people like this. Right. They will find out the hard way that they should have made five or 10 pieces of great content that help people and then get eyeballs on it and traffic, go make connections. I almost want to say that for the solopreneur, connections is king. And for the 20-man corporation that already has connections and people know them and in the industry, content is king. Yes. They should go be everywhere, be top of mind, yes. be on every platform. Great. Sure. But if you're Great. teaching that, you should be teaching it only to other established businesses with big teams who are able to scale and can add more content without burdening themselves. You should not be teaching it to overworked solopreneurs who are starving for attention and traffic because teaching them to grind out more content will never magically bring them connections and traffic well actually it will 
That's the worst part. It, it will bring 1% of them magical connections and traffic from the algorithm because they made 1,000 pieces of content. That's, that's the worst part, is the 1% who it actually works for become the teachers. And then they go tell everyone else, just do what I did. Grind out content and you'll magically get traffic. No, traffic is not a magical thing that you deserve or, or earn just by creating content. There are countless talented geniuses creating content that will never get traffic. True. Unless they are taught to get traffic and they learn the methods of getting traffic and they know how to make connections and all that stuff. All these people who are succeeding through content either got lucky through the algorithm or they were natural connection makers already and they just need to add content into the mix. And so this is what they do. I added content into the mix and then everything clicked. And it's like, yeah, because you already had connections and influence in the industry and people knew you and you had yeah, people in your corner. Or Mosey says that. But some tired overworked alone hermit artist in the cottage doesn't know anyone and has no connections <laughs> and they could make a billion pieces of content and all they would get is crickets and squirrels yeah. crickets man it's true and it's painful so content is only as important as your stage of business in the beginning it's not that important you just need a little bit of content to get going then you need connections and people to know about you and then they'll start demanding more content. Like, hey, do you have anything on this? You, your first thing helped me, but whatever, whatever. And then you're inspired to make more content. It's great. And then as you grow, you'll be like, oh, I'm only on one platform. And I'm doing pretty well here. But do you think we could hit Instagram? I need to hire a team. Maybe I could get an intern to help me with my Instagram. But now you're expanding to two platforms and you're doing a little more content because you're a team of two or a team of three. Fine. And then as you grow, more and more content, more and more. And then when you're Gary level, you can be everywhere. And you're Alex Formosi level, you can be everywhere. This is this is how it should be taught. This is how it goes. This is the order. This is the recipe. And just because some awesome gurus or influencers hyper-focus on the thing that worked for them doesn't mean it's going to work for all these solopreneurs and artists and people who are struggling with no traffic. Right. So... I always encourage people to learn the full business recipe and then find the step or the ingredient that is causing you problems. Because if you know the full recipe includes traffic, then when someone says content is king, then at step five, you're like, yeah, but step two was secure traffic. I didn't secure traffic. So is step five going to work magically for you? No. Right. So always know the full recipe of whatever you're trying to learn, if possible. Yeah. And then you won't get confused or distracted by one guru who hyper-focuses on ingredient A or step five or whatever. Fair enough. I love it. Thank so you so much. Yeah. That's why content isn't king. Content scales with your stage of business. Uh, yeah, because Hormozy teaches that I had to go and scale up. I was only posting once a week and, and then I started posting seven times a week across the all the platforms. It's like, dude, you already were a millionaire and you already had connections and you had money and you were growing your like you now you're worrying about personal branding. And, and that's not even people don't even say that. They they assume branding and business are the same. So all right. This is awesome. It was wonderful. I feel so much better. Uh, I feel like I, I understand Gary now and I'm less annoyed <laughs> by him. And so this is always a wonderful thing. You are wonderful and amazing. I really appreciate you. Great questions. Me. Thanks. I appreciate you taking the time to talk about this. I appreciate you being honest with the like quirks and annoyances and irritations and stuff that, that come up in life. I think you're willing to work through them with me. It's, it's, it's really impressive. It's really magical. Like Not a lot of people would do that. And I love that you are able to change your opinion and change your mind by the end of the video. So Thanks. thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm really good at change and I really appreciate it. And I couldn't be good at it without you teaching me. You're the reason why I'm able to change. You're the reason why we do this podcast is because you've taught me so much. And when I see people affecting other people's mental health, I want to help those people who are unhurt. Gary has a huge audience. Mel Robbins has a huge audience. Uh, all these other gurus, they have huge audiences. And so they're kind of tone deaf sometimes to what the side effects of some of their content is. Yeah, I hope I never get that one. Same. And so right now, one of the things we're focusing on in these videos is to kind of show you guys what we're doing and, and how other things that may look really healthy and good for you on the outside aren't necessarily that healthy and good for you well, not for in everyone. reality. Not for everyone. Yes. Depending on where you are. And so if you're like, 
this isn't for me, then don't come up, comment and don't watch and don't say anything because it's not for you. This is for the people who are still having anxiety and who follow Gary V and who are trying to make tons of content, but they don't understand why they're anxious and burnt out and, and, and afraid and whatever. And so that's why I did this episode. That's why we did this episode to help them. So because your mental health comes first and without fixing that stuff up here, like you can do nothing. It doesn't matter how many skills you have, how much content you make, your product, your amazing creative ability. It doesn't matter. Like if, if this is messed up, then everything else will be messed up. But the good news is, is that's what we're here for. That's why we're helping. You. Jay helped me learn how to be a better person and learn how to work through these things and cure my anxiety and my depression and, and work on my mental health for it to be much calmer. And so that's what we're doing for you. So do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with our amazing audience? Oh, uh, I I totally mic dropped it already with the content isn't king. Content right. scales with your biz. So I think I think people got the point. We're good. Fair play. All right. Content is not king. That's the overall takeaway. Yeah, but I do love Gary Vee and I, I value his offering. Yeah. Okay. Well, all of this today is why we call our book and this podcast Eyes Wide Open. After today, you know that content is not king. And if you watch this video here called Ismail Robbins Creating More Anxiety Than Curing to help you keep your eyes wide open. Keep rising. <laughs>